The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. And there you can listen to old archive shows as well as ask a question via the list listener inquiry button, and they will get back to you on that as well. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Yeah, good morning, Scott, in your square. Hi, Don. Hello, Andy. It's like I'm watching an episode of Hollywood Squares and half the cast is missing. (laughs) (laughs) We're down, or just the final two. That's right. There it is. I wish we were as funny as the Hollywood Squares. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, As we were just saying, we should be uh, playing what's going on uh, between the commercials and off air because some of it gets pretty good between you two. We should be doing an I. That's right, the IG show outtakes. Uh, oh boy! For you, for you, real fans. Oh, I hope those aren't recorded. Yeah, oh, there you go. All right, let's get uh, to the task at hand here, and we talk about this a lot. And the two of you, uh, it's all about saving for retirement. But then, on the other hand, when you get there, you don't want to underlive. Absolutely, and you know what? Re- underliving, it, you know, I always say there's kind of two people: ones that don't save enough. And then there's the opposite, ones that save too much. And it's really there's that happy median, that perfect scenario. I don't know if it exists. Uh, it's kind of like the unicorn of retirement planning because the thing is we just don't know how long we're going to live, so people have to plan for an unknown end date. And so, therefore, you know, we always we, – we, these people, and we talk about these people, all Canadians, have been told to save, 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 and then all of a sudden switch gears. Oh, now you can spend. Well, it's hard after 40 years of saving to say, I'm going to start spending. This is like, it's a total different mindset. So uh, a study was done by T. Rowe Price in the U.S. Now, T. Rowe Price also is one of our partner managers, interestingly enough. And they went through a whole lot of questions about retirees. And one of their focuses is a lot of retirees wanted to focus on asset preservation. So this is retirees that are really more worried about keeping what they have, not watching it go down in value at all. And it's kind of interesting, our plans that Andy and I create for people and our clients, we assume we're trying to maintain a certain standard of living. We go through all the cash flow. We go through the expenses. We, we in fact, with a lot of detailed plans, we'll say, okay, for the first 10 years, you're going to spend this much on retire, on say vacations, say Post-retire, post-pandemic and pre-pandemic, but and then maybe the second ten years it'd be less vacations, and then possibly like even you know creep down and maybe there'll be more expenses perhaps with a uh, uh, call it an old age home for lack of a better word. So we we've got all this built into a plan. So a person's lifestyle, and so what we do we find out this lifestyle and then we say okay, what we need to generate an income from your investments to support that lifestyle. But in reality, what's pe- what are people really doing? It turns out they're flexible. They don't like to touch principal. So they, they change their spending habits to match the income, and they don't want to draw down on their assets. So if they see, the, you know, let's say they had a million dollars, and all of a sudden it's down 900000 and yet they're 80 years old, there's not a chance 
even if they live to 100, they're going to run out of money. But they don't want to watch it go down anymore, so they'll change their lifestyle. So this is where it's great to have a financial planner to make sure that it's that sounding board to have people perhaps get out of their comfort level, and it truly is. Spending money is out of their comfort level because they've been saving for so long. And so, as it turns out, they end up collecting money, and they forget the purpose of the money. And it's a collection. I have this net worth. And then they often think, well, it's for the kids, or it's, you know, there's just an uncertainty of, oh, what about the old age home? And it's kind of interesting, the, you know, nursing home or, or seniors homes, whatever you may call it, that's one that comes up a lot, but it turns out, you know, if somebody owns a house, that more than enough will cover the cost of the monthly payment. And on top of that, they're not spending money on food. They're not vacationing anymore. They're not generally driving a car. And if they are, you know, costs are far lower on, the, on, another, on the other end of their cost. So it may cost a bit more to live in a senior's residence, but at the same token, it generally does not impact their their lifestyle at all because it's a whole new way of life. So underspending in retirement, it, it, it doesn't sound like a big problem, but really it is because what's happening is people are depriving themselves of happiness. And really at the end of the day, I've often coined the phrase to my clients, we want to maximize fun. We just want everybody to, you've got this money, let's maximize your fun. And so therefore, why would you want to deprive yourself of happiness when you have the wherewithal to enjoy it? And some people are depriving themselves of happiness, not, not to mention even more importantly, they're, they're, comp- they're compromising their own health in situations because they are, will, will not take the medication because it costs too much or they may, may not get a, say, chiropractic because even though it was great before, ah, they don't really want to touch their money. And so they're so they're more worried about their money going down, even though they have plenty, than their health. And uh, so even, uh, you know, perhaps even gifting now to the kids. You know, if uh, that's, an, that's something that a lot of people will like to do, and it's in a lot of their wishes, well, maybe, maybe it's not a bad thing to actually see their kids receive it while they're alive and maybe help them out while, while they actually get to see them, or grandkids, maybe help them with university costs, what have you, Rather than, you know, once you die, then you obviously don't, you miss out on that. So there's so much sa- sacrifice that's being made to save all these years. And it's kind of interesting because really when you think about it, what is saving money? It's deferred gratification. You're deferring gratification. You, you could do something with that money and spend it and, and have some immediate fun with it. But no, no, you're putting this off because you're saving but then what if you'd never get to have that gratification? You've, def- you've sacrificed for nothing. And then you're going to end up leaving it perhaps to uh, kids or charity or somebody. But at the same time, you could have enjoyed it yourself. And by the way, you deserve it. Really, you truly do. You honestly deserve it. I, I've had this conversation with people, and, and it's kind of funny. They, they feel they didn't deserve it even though they created the money, and they do deserve this money. So this is a mindset that I've had these conversations frequently um, what kind of got me thinking about this? It was an article, but at the same time, not long ago, just in the last oh, four months, I had a client, and uh, her husband was in a nursing home and in their 90s, and they've got well over $3 million. And I'm thinking to myself, 
okay, yeah, it's nice to be able to live a certain lifestyle, but they had no kids. They could have done a lot more things, and they're being very frugal. And so at the end of the day, I'm thinking, well, $3 million, well, some charity is going to do extremely well by having this funds go to a charity, but they didn't, they underlived. They didn't maximize their fund. So the common regret we talk about is people putting off travel. Now, this is happening right now. In COVID times, we're finding people, geez, I wish I traveled before COVID. I shouldn't have just, you know, been penny pinching, if you will, so that I had saved for this trip. I should have been traveling along the way. And even while you're saving, it's good to enjoy life because one thing we don't know is health. And if COVID's taught us anything, health can change. And so even if you are in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and you're saving for retirement, don't forget the small neurosis. Enjoy some time today because that health could change. And therefore, it's finding that balance between saving and for the future and having some fun now. And I know this is what Andy and I go through when we do a, a, a financial plan. It's incorporated right in the plan. So in medical expenses, this is one area that I find almost obscene. To, I hate to say it because when they were covered when they were working, they had chiropractor cover, they had physio cover, they even had dental coverage. But what I'm finding is once the coverage is over, a lot of, a lot of seniors are saying, ah, I don't really need that anymore. And it's kind of weird because they would have easily have gone before. They were spending that time with the dentist twice a year. I think I'll just go once a year now. Or, you know what, I, even though I have more aches and pains than I did when I was working, I don't really need to see a chiropractor. This is, again, why sacrifice when you have the funds? So living for the kids is another example. I Actually, if you ever talk to their kids, most say, Dad, Mom, enjoy yourselves. We're looking after ourselves. You gave us an education. You gave us the wherewithal to do, be successful. Enjoy yourself. You've done everything. So I actually had one particular client always wanted to go to Alaska. And I, I, I finally said, you know, okay, if you don't book this by the end of the week, I'm going to book it for you. And she goes, well, who would I go with? Well, I don't know. Perhaps your daughter would like a free trip with you. Well, that's a good idea. Anyway, she did book it. They went on a fantastic trip to Alaska. The sad part of the story is afterwards, she did pass away from cancer about six months after the fact. But the good story was that was a trip they really remembered. And at the end of the day, we find people having these beautiful houses. They downsize perhaps to a condo. Then they downsize to a senior's home. And what do they end up with? They end up with their favorite chair and a bunch of pictures on the walls of great trips things that they always had fun with. It wasn't, it wasn't sacrificing. It was experiences. So when we do a comprehensive, comprehensive financial plan, we go through your assets, we go through the cash flow, taxes, and lifestyle, and you know, this should give you the peace of mind and the clarity that you can afford this. So we'll find out what is your essential amount of capital to achieve your goals, and then we'll say, okay, how much would you like to leave the kids? Okay, so anything above that would be called surplus. And this is really to have a better lifestyle. Maybe drink better wine. Why get the cheap stuff? Get the good stuff or scotch or whatever you happen to be your drink of choice. Uh, join a golf course. You know, if you can afford it, why not? You know, um, stay in better hotels. If you're on a cruise, why not stay on a balcony? Why go with the interior ones? Stop trying to save money. Enjoy yourself to the fullest. And it's, and it's really tough. But again, these are the conversations we're having with people. And it's almost a game for some of the seniors. They almost like to talk about how much money they save by 
say, teeing off at 7 a.m. or or getting a hotel at a great price or, or getting the twilight rate rather than getting the time they really wanted to golf or getting the cruise line they really wanted because it was the best experience for them. So at the end of the day, I really hope uh, you know some, some listeners out there think, okay, I really don't want to have any regrets. I'm going to live my life to the fullest, and at the, at the end of the day, I'm going to listen to you guys on the radio, and I'm going to maximize fun. Uh, you've been listening to Dr. Don Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, it's almost more counseling than it is a financial uh, advice when you think uh, about you're, it, isn't you're it? Partly true with that, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it really is. And in that being said, I'm going to buy those golf clubs. All right. <laughs> we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button as well as listen to old archive shows. All right, that time of year, tax time uh, slowly approaching. You need some strategy. Yeah, I know um, we'll probably, as Don and I were talking before we started the show, and I think we're going to end up devoting the rest of the show towards tax questions and tax information. And um, so I've got, uh, I've, got, I've got a few things I want to run through, and uh, hopefully we'll help more information on different ways of, uh, you know, different ways of considering or minimizing your taxes. And I think the first thing to remind everybody of, of course, last year we had uh, a deferral of when you had to file your tax. So we're back to the normal deadline of April 30th, which is Friday, April 30th. And uh, at this point, there's no extension. I know there has been some rumors with the COVID lockdown uh, that we're in right now in Ontario and, and in other parts of Canada that there might be an extension to the deadline. But I would go under the assumption that uh, April 30th is going to be the date. So if you're self-employed, it's June 15th. So you get a little bit more time as well. And um, even if you don't, if you owe money, if you think you owe money, it's extremely important that you file no matter what. If you don't have enough to send them money, that's fine. But make sure that you file a return to avoid any additional penalties, and then you need to work out a schedule to uh, to, find, to make your payments. Um, so if you've been working from home over the last year and you haven't uh, lost your job or had uh, been laid off, etc., I think the main thing that you're going to want to figure out is the work-from-home deduction and whether it's going to be the special flat rate or the itemized method, and that's something that people will have to... Um, work through the numbers on the on their own a lot of times people just some quick things that we notice that people uh deductions and credits that things people kind of miss out on one is moving expenses and so if you've moved to a different job uh this year and even um uh you know students moving depending on how far away they are 
Uh, there's deductions there, interest on student loans, and donations and medical expenses. And that's one where I find that people can get off and bogged down on. It's just trying to collect the data. And uh, it's, you know, how if you, get, if you get a prescription, and I was helping my mom with her uh, taxes, and she's got all these little slips that she gets from the pharmacy. And, uh, and of course, I'm wondering to myself, I wonder if this is all there really is. Maybe there's some more. And so, fortunately, and most pharmacies now, if you ask them for a report, they will give you a one-pager, and that's fantastic. So um, it's just give them a call. Maybe next time you're into your, your pharmacy, <clears throat> they're still open at this point, ask if you can get a summary for your uh, all of your drugs that you purchased in, uh, last year, and they'll be able to do that for you. The same goes for your dentist. And sometimes, you know, the dental bills, uh, they get misplaced, etc. But a lot of us also have group plans. And, um, and one thing I suggest is making sure, you know, you could simply just claim everything that you, uh, that you spend medically. And the benefit of that is even though it might not qualify as, uh, as a reimbursement amount, you may have gone over your limit or something in a certain area, see that, you know, more massage therapy than you normally get. And then, uh, you know, but those receipts will still be on file with your group provider. So you'll be able to get a summary of the ones that you submitted and what was reimbursed to you so you know how much is eligible to uh, include in your medical expense credit. And um, so and donations are a little bit like that, too. Sometimes they, uh, you know, we make a donation. It used to be at the door <laughs> where you would see people, but I don't think that's happening as much anymore. They're relying for online donations and uh Usually things get mailed to you, but, you know, the whole thing with taxes and tax preparation is organization. And that's probably the biggest stumbling block as we sort of think about this. And some of us, it's very simple and very straightforward in terms of getting our taxes done. But um, I would say organization, create that tax folder. Just create, whether it's make it a yellow one or a bright blue one or something, and just put tax on it. Every time you get something, just throw it in there. And then you can look at it as you get into, you know, right now at this time of year, but throughout the year, throughout the sort of beginning of the year as you get these forms, it's a great place just to sort of, and even those donations slips do, make sure you get them all in one place. Um, something else to be aware of, sometimes people haven't filed that uh, for the last couple of years. And then suddenly they go on file electronically, and um, but they've moved. And so CRA has your old address, and uh, so if, you're, if there's any questions, they want you to, say, mail in your medical receipts for confirmation, they might send you a letter asking for that information, but it's gone to your old address. And that goes the same for your direct deposit. A lot of people sign up for direct deposit, and then subsequently, a few years later, they haven't filed, they've gone and changed their bank account. So that want the old one's been closed and is no longer open. So CRA is going to try and make a deposit to an old account. You'll get uh, that'll get flagged. You'll eventually get the money, but again, it just simply adds time. And uh, and CRA is completely overwhelmed at this point. If you've tried to uh, get any answers from them, it's been um, it's been very difficult. It's on hold. It's wait and wait and wait. And um, so, you know, I think that. Uh, and that's, I guess, part of that is that people forget they've signed up for these services like direct deposit. And so it's easy to, if you haven't filed on a regular basis, get caught in that. So number one thing is being organized. And then when it comes to actual preparation, there's actually a lot of, um, you know, I guess the question is how much should you be paying for tax preparation is one thing that people will ask me. 
or who should I go to? And, um, you know, they're actually on CRA's website, there are 15 different free tax filing options that are certified for net filing by CRA for 2020, 15 different for free. So if you've just got a simple, you know, one or two slip, if you just got a T4 from your employer and that's it, then don't pay for someone to do your return. If, if you're filing an at-home expense, that's different, you know, a home office expense. But, uh, um, you know, we've looked at some of the numbers, and 52.4% of returns that uh, have come in till the end of March were received by e-file, and that's a service for tax preparers and accountants, so 52.4% electronically by tax preparers and accountants. 40.6% were done through net file, so that's individuals that have filed their own return. That leaves the only 7% group that is paper. <laughs> They're still hanging on. <laughs> I, I'm, still, I'm still one of those 7 percenters there, Andy. I know. Don and I are making up at least uh, a point zero one zero zero one of the 7%. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we've talked about paper filing before. And um, so if you look at their... You can Google, I guess, just basically Google that search for free tax software. But um, uh, the, the main one that, uh, sort of, for example, is Cloud Tax um, that's through the CRA website. And, uh, you know, you can basically do your return for free. The others, there's things like um, TurboTax, Taxtron, Simple Tax. Again, there's a bunch of different ones. Some of them for Apple and Android will charge uh, as much, maybe as little as $15 as well. So check out your options for tax preparation. Obviously, if you're doing a more complex return or a corporate return, you know, a basic return for an individual, you know, it's going to be around 35 to, to 50 bucks. A more complex return is probably going to be in the low hundreds. And then if you're into a corporate tax return, you're probably looking at 1000 to uh the $2,000, depending on the complexity of it. So that kind of gives you an idea of a range. Well, you know, I was thinking about how, for Don and I, we're often, you know, providing information or advice or guidance and strategies when it comes to tax planning. And, um, you know, just as, a, as an example, so I had a client who uh, owned some land next to their property, and it was about 15 acres, vacant land, and... Um, they have a Rogers cell tower on the land. And so Rogers pays them a monthly rental fee for keeping the tower there. And uh, so when when this client bought the property, uh, they had to finance it through a special mortgage. And um, so this question came up with they're paying 5%. So they're looking to renegotiate their mortgage to a lower rate. And um, but they've been also running losses on this piece of land and the uh, the rental income. The, the expenses have exceeded the rental income. So, you know, we hear a lot about uh, rental income being audited, <clears throat> and we just sort of ran through it. And, and the reality is, is that they were in a low risk scenario for an audit because they were had <clears throat> all legitimate expenses. Where the problem with rental expenses, uh, rental losses, is where people start to blur the lines between personal things and uh, things that are specifically for the rental property. And that, an example in this scenario is, let's say the client went out and bought an ATV, and the ATV was to be used to, uh, you know, go around the land, make sure everything's okay, and check it out <clears throat> as part of the maintenance. And uh, 
but attempts to write that off for the whole the whole expense off, whereas probably the majority of the ATV time is going to be spent on personal. So you just have to be careful, I think, when you're being legitimate in terms of those expenses. But um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we were able to we look at we could refinance this property um, and put the mortgage on their personal home property and still be able to deduct the interest. So just you know, it's just basically, I think. The advice is important in the sense that people don't want to make a financial mistake when you're making these kind of decisions. We were talking last week about, you know, we're making financial, we all make financial decisions on a daily basis, practically, as we purchase things and we pay bills and we decide to save or invest as well. So when you think about tax planning and going through the financial planning process, we're always looking to minimize tax. It's constantly, you know, you need to be vigilant about all the different things. And so a checklist that we might go through with somebody, and these will fall, some people might uh, might fall into these and others may not be applicable to, but for example, just simply the saving for retirement and RSPs. So what are the tax strategies around that? Uh, in terms of retirement, what are the tax strategies around minimizing tax during retirement and your retirement income strategies and how to minimize tax? Your investment plan. Are you, are you paying too much tax on the way your investments are currently set up? Could we restructure that and to minimize tax? Uh, registered education savings plans. What, um, what are you doing? Are you taking advantage of that? Have you started a plan? Uh, the home buyer's plan, registered disability savings plans, charitable gift planning, uh, marital status and home ownership. Have you sold a principal residence here? A lot of people <laughs> cashing in on their more valuable properties in the city, maybe moving to a different property, larger outside of the city, and so a sale of a principal residence occurred. Business owners and tax strategies around business owners, and then um, we've all we're all facing the COVID nineteen economic relief measures and what sort of tax considerations you'd have around that as well. So I'm just going to kind of highlight a couple of different areas as we think about that's sort of a comprehensive list that Don and I would have ongoing information and advice or strategies to help people if they're questioning some decisions that they're making and uh, reviewing their current situation. And, and, but, certainly, uh, and certainly if you uh, are sitting down with a financial planner, one resource that we always need is last year's tax returns. And not just the notice of assessments, because it's not detailed enough, it gives us more of a summary there, is looking at every line of where their income sources and also looking at some of the deductions to see if they're missing anything. So if you're not getting those questions asked or if your financial planner isn't asking about your tax return, then you're probably not dealing with a certified financial planner. And you should look at, you know, having a second opinion. Good point. You know, it's, and speaking of that exact situation, I had a client who was looking to purchase a piece of land. Uh, they're going to build a house and they needed $100,000. And so we were going to be cashing in some investments and that was going to trigger some capital gains. And I said, you know, in my, in my plan that I created for you, several years ago, I have a, a, a capital loss. And so if we use that capital loss, you'd be able to offset the uh, deduction, uh, the capital gain. And so um, and the client said, no, no, I, I, I don't have a capital. I'm looking at my notice of assessment. I'll send it to you. So she sent me her notice of assessment, but she sent me three of the four pages. And huh. the fourth page, which has a whole paragraph that CRA writes that nobody reads, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just, think, you just think it's probably some privacy statement or something. Well, in fact, it actually had her capital loss carry forward that had been recorded and captured years ago. And so um, 
So I was right, but again, if you don't give us the information, that, 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 that the four pages instead of the three pages mm-hmm. makes a huge difference in terms of being able to assess the best strategy going forward. So I'm just thinking uh, strategies around saving for an RSP <clears throat> in retirement. You know, we, we were talking with a, a young couple, clients of ours, who recommended, referred our, their daughter, a son and daughter-in-law. And, you know, in an example, they've been married for five years, and she had been putting a, a regular contribution into an RRSP, and he had been putting a regular contribution into an RRSP. And um, they both had about similar amount. They were good savers. But, you know, here's an example where are you maximizing the tax savings? And so... The reality is, I mean, they were both doing what they thought was the most logical sense over the last five years. But he makes 115000 and she makes 46000 So what's happened is, is that they're $500 each a month. Instead of getting a $12,000 deduction on his return by using a spousal RSP contribution, uh, they, were, they left tax dollars on the table for the last five years. And so uh, it's just simple things like this that when you layer on these strategies and you begin to see what kind of lift you're getting in terms of your increase in your net worth going forward by applying these strategies <clears throat> is where you really see the benefit of financial planning. So um, <clears throat> retirement's a good example in the sense that, you know, you might be receiving income right now that you don't need. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you have a RIF. You might be taking more than the minimum required from your RIF. And so when Don and I go through cash flow projections, we know what it costs you to do your lifestyle. We know what it costs you for your fixed expenses. And so we might say, listen, you're taking an extra 500 a month or 1000 a month from your RIF that you don't need to. It's over and above the minimum. Maybe we need to, we can bring that back, bring you into a lower tax bracket. Uh, so there may be some strategies around that. So it doesn't matter what aspect of your financial plan we're looking at, it's always around tax planning and what strategies make sense to, to always be vigilant about minimizing tax. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out the website at andyanddon.com or call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're talking about achieving a 4% return. Yes, and just before I get to that, you know, you know, going through Andy's not even exhaustive list because there's more to come. You can just see how much is involved in tax planning. It's complicated yet necessary. And this is where we absolutely can guarantee to add value because it's not like we're trying to get a certain rate of return and we're forecasting and if you use this investment, you'll get this and so forth. Those are long-term objectives, but tax planning is an exact science. So when you when you actually find a deduction, it saves this much tax based on your tax bracket. It is pure math, which is why I love it and where we add a great amount of value. And we, we talk about gamma and value of advice and that we know we can add, quite frankly, about a 1% value to a person's return overall simply on tax advice. So things that you need to look at are on the investment side, 
were our interest expenses for investments. So if you if you were to borrow for investment purposes, and quite quite often we'll say, well, you're going to go buy a car. Why don't we cash in the investments and and buy the car with your investments? But I know you want the investments left there, so we'll borrow the money and put it back in the investments. By doing that, we're borrowing for investments. The, the, that interest costs are t- now tax deductible. So even though the interest costs are pretty low right now, let's say you can get 3%, well, if you're in the top tax bracket, now you're borrowing at 1.5%. And so that's a great strategy. We've talked about it for years, but again, it's just reminding yourself, you can now you have to check and give your accountant, your tax preparer, or if you do it yourself, remember, you have to claim that interest expense. Other things are called carrying charges, um, such as interest expenses. Investment management. Now, this is one where the advisory fees are tax deductible. And so you need to go to whoever looks after your money and make sure on your non-registered money that you claim those advisory fees. There's a custody fee, there's accounting and bookkeeping and tax preparer costs that are also added to carrying charges. So, and Andy already talked about net capital losses carrying forward, great thing. And then there's some higher risk like exploration development expenses, limited partnerships, and the big one is that lifetime capital gains exemption but with that comes alternative minimum tax and really need to have that discussion. If you're going to sell a farm or a business and they're going to say, oh, great, this is fantastic, you get to qualify for the lifetime capital gains exemption, ask your accountant about the alternative minimum tax because quite often it's overlooked until afterwards, which is a, a minimum tax that, peop- that you have to pay. You do have seven years to get back that money, but again, now you have, a, have to create a strategy to find ways to get that money back. So getting back to how do you get that 4% return? Hey, it was pretty easy about, you know, say 10 years ago, you simply buy a GIC. Not quite so easy right now. You know, with cash, we have a cash account, which, by the way, is fantastic. It pays, if you have over a million dollars, it's paying 1%. Under a million, it's 0.8% on non-registered money. So if you need money for something in the next little while, why leave it in your bank account? If you're running a business, you know, use our cash account. Give us a give us a call. We this is a there's nothing. I, I don't believe there's anything as close out there right now because a lot of high interest accounts are now going down to 0.25 percent, and most business accounts are paying zero. So, on top of that, you may look at bonds. Bonds, Canadian government bonds, are now one and a half percent. So, how the heck are you going to get four percent? And you often see our projections are somewhere between four and five percent. Well. The thing is, well, you can say, well, you can get some dividend stocks that are paying 4%, but there's a risk. Those, those go up and down in value fairly frequently. If a bond is paying, now this one i got to say, buyer beware. If you find a bond, oh, yeah, we got bonds that are paying 4%. Those are high-yield bonds. Those are not government and Canada bonds. And they're also known as junk bonds. And because there is risk there, there's a, basically stock market risk that has effect with it, credit risk uh, with that affects that because they're higher-risk companies that have to charge a high, higher interest rate for people to invest. So, in, in fact, even bonds in the first quarter had a negative 5% return from January of this year to the end of March, because interest rates started to rise. So this is where you can get a 4% rate of return, but you do need to create a diversified portfolio with about 25% to 40% in fixed income investments, which could be an array of many different fixed income, and then 60 to 75% in equities 
throughout the world in different styles between smaller companies, large cap, value companies, such as, say, the banks, and growth companies, such as technology. And having that proper mix, you will get that 4 to 5%. And, you know, people look at risk. Well, there's lots of types of risks. Capital risk is what everybody thinks of. That's just the markets going up and down. But there is interest rate risk. If interest rates rise, bonds go down. Tax risk, as Andy was talking about earlier, your portfolio, if it's not constructed properly, you could be paying more tax on non-registered money because you're earning higher taxed investment income outside of your registered investments. Inflation risk is a big one that it kind of just eats away at your portfolio. It's a kind of We always call it like the cancer of a portfolio. You have to have some investments that take to try to beat inflation. And the big one these days is longevity risk and making sure that you have a plan for that longevity so that we plan for 95. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, there's nothing to say we shouldn't be planning for 100. At the end of the day, we, we evaluate all the risks, and it ends up being a very well-thought-out way to get a 4% rate of return. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call them now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. There you can ask a, a question via the listener inquiry button, as well as listen to old archive shows. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Going to finish off with some more tax strategy here. Yeah, I was running through a number. We've been talking a lot about different things to consider when you're reviewing a financial plan and tax strategies are key to be vigilant. And when I think about um, retirement, we were talking a little bit about that before and uh, understanding you know, maybe you don't need as much riff as you got. On the other hand, one thing to remember this year is if you're turning 71, and and I just had this situation where a client is still working, and so should you contribute to an RRSP? Is there some tax planning to do around that? Well, if you think about it, your RRSP contribution room is based on your previous year's income, 18% of your previous year's income. So let's say you made $100,000 last year. Well, then in 2020, you would be able then in 2021 be able to contribute 18000 of that earned income uh, for your RSP contribution in 2021. <clears throat> so if you earn $100,000 this year and you're 71, uh, you have created $18,000 of RRSP room for your 72nd year. That would be 2022. Well, you're not allowed to own an RRSP when you're 72. So what do you do with that $18,000 of room? Well, you can contribute it to an RSP this year that if you've been maxing all the way along, that's going to make an over-contribution to your plan. And so the strategy around this is to contribute the over, make the over-contribution, go ahead and do it, but do it in December. And the reason you're going to do it in December is you'll only be charged 1% interest, uh, 1% penalty on that for one month because in January, you have 18,000 of room that's now available. 
So uh, you'd pay $180 for one month penalty. But the tax savings on that 18000 is roughly like about $6,000 to $7,000 of tax. So it's well worth spending the $180 in a situation like that. And so that's just one little example of how we would apply more strategies to help reduce your tax bill and maximize your overall financial well-being. I just want to circle back to registered education savings plans because there's always a deadline, And um, but planning now, if you have a child or there's a grandchild in your life that's turning 15 this year, this is the year that they have to have started uh, an RESP and contributed at least $2,000 to the plan if they haven't done one already. And that will allow them to access the 20% government grant money, 20% of it, uh, for this year, next year, and age 17 as well. So age 15, 16, and 17. Now, if they've already had a plan and they've contributed, and the parents or whoever have contributed at least $100 per year in the pre- in any previous four years, then they still are eligible to take advantage of maximizing it for their age 15, 16, and 17. So either you've had a plan for a while and you've put a little bit in each year for at least four years, or you haven't had one and you're going to open a new one, put two grand in there right now, right away, to get that thing started for them. Um, Tax-free savings accounts, planning around tax-free savings accounts. Obviously, um, it would be great to maximize your plan. Another $6,000 can be put in this year. Uh, so the limit is 75500 And um, so there's some tax strategies. I think one thing that Don and I will run across is people want to pull money out of their TFSA. And so, um, you know, that's, we just want to make sure that when they do that, they understand what the rules are uh, and, and when can they recontribute that. And typically it's in the following calendar year, assuming that they've been maximizing all the way along. Um, Marital status and home ownership. So one thing we look at there is, and I sort of touched on this, but did you sell a home? And um, there's a lot of this happening. In, it's funny, I was talking to um, a client in, from Brantford area who's involved in real estate, and they were saying that they were, uh, you know, they would get two or three listings a day, you know, coming into the office in that area, and now they're like 40 or 50 a day. But the most recent ones, um, they would have a showing, and there has been uh, very little foot traffic. So it's interesting. There's been a bit of a shift, right, in terms of the activity on that front. But um, uh, one thing to do with the sale of a private, uh, your principal residence, is filing on Schedule 3 the figures and the dollar amounts that you've sold it for, the cost, etc. And you may need to uh, fill out a form T2091 as well. So just be prepared if you've sold a home last year, pay attention to that. Um, business owners, uh, you know, one of the things we get into with business owners is just understanding uh, what's going to happen in terms of uh, payment of uh, income splitting between you and the other shareholders in your family or your business. And most importantly, too, we look at are there free, is there free money that you can get? from your business. And that'll come in the form of two different types of, of money. That'll be a shareholder loan. This is money that you loan to the corporation and that you can take back tax-free. And the other will be what's called the CDA, which is the capital dividend account. And we would review that with your tax return, your your, um, your corporate tax return. And, uh, and if there's a CDA available, this is the 
tax reportion of a capital gain that was triggered within your corporation and it builds up in there. It's a good idea to get it out because if tax rules change or whatever, you know, having access to that tax-free capital makes sense. So these are just a few of the, the things I mentioned. There's a, the, the, the next big thing would be economic relief measures from tax and or the COVID situation. We can talk about that next week as well. We have been planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message, 905-529-7165. They'll get back to you as soon as they can. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can listen to old shows there and as well ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Another great one, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Be well. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.